Welcome to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. Your hosts, Danielle Sullivan, National Director at Curriculum Associates, and Sari Labaris, Social Communications Manager at Curriculum Associates, are here to share actionable tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your classroom and drive student learning. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle. Hey, everyone. It's Sari, and welcome back to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. There's a lot happening right now, and we hope like, we can provide you with some insights, tips, and best practices, and breathing wind from the critical work that you do every single day, no matter where learning is happening this year. We are here to support teaching and learning wherever it is taking place. And with us today, we have a very special guest, one of our extraordinary educators in New York, Lorraine Pascarella. So Lorraine, go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, where are you teaching? How long have you been teaching? What do you teach? And give us one other fun fact that people might not know about you. Hi, everyone. My name is Lorraine Pascarella. Um, this is my ninth year of teaching. Uh, my first year of teaching back in 2012, it was my, um, I taught second grade in an inner city school. After that, I taught three years in a rural district. Uh, I taught sixth grade math for three years. Uh, if you know where SUNY Oswego is in upstate New York, it was just outside of Oswego. Uh, we definitely saw more snow than anything up there. Um, and recently, I just moved back to my hometown. Uh, I'm starting my fifth year currently in the Liverpool Central School District, which is just outside of Syracuse. Um, I taught sixth grade math for four years here in Liverpool, and this year I just switched to fifth grade math at Morgan Road Elementary. And one fun fact about me, uh, I would have to say not many people know that I play piano as a hobby, uh, but I do love to play piano when I have spare time. Uh, Billy Joel is like my favorite person in the, on the entire planet, uh, and I would love to see him play one more time if I could. Uh, I was supposed to go this summer um, at New Era Stadium where the Buffalo Bills play, but obviously that didn't happen this summer, so I hope he plays one more time in New York so I can go see him. That's an oh awesome my goodness. fun fact. <laughs> that is a super awesome fun fact. And a fun fact about me, I grew up in Oswego, New York. So I completely um, understand the snow for sure. Yeah. And I currently live in Florida <laughs> because of the snow. Oh yeah, I taught in Red Creek for three years. It's about 15 miles west of Oswego. Um, but yeah, tons of snow. And it's a wonderful small little school district up there. I really enjoyed my time up there with my students. Nice. Well, we are excited to have you on the podcast because we would love to hear from you. First of all, how are things going? And second of all, how are you using data in this current environment to drive instruction, to work with your students? Um, in the past, we know that you've done such a great job with that. So has it changed um, given the uniqueness of the school year or just talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I mean, obviously everything has changed, and uh, I can't think of one aspect of my life that hasn't changed with everything going on right now. Um, so our district is currently getting ready to administer our iReady Diagnostic tomorrow, and uh, we are spending a lot of time talking to parents and families and students about uh, taking it at home, which is obviously different, but we're spending a lot of time talking about what that will look and feel like for our kids at home. Um, we wanted to make sure that we get some meaningful data out of our diagnostic, so we spent a lot of time talking to kids about, um, you know, taking breaks and making sure they're showing their work and, you know, really things that we would talk about when they're in school. But, you know, obviously things are different at home. Um, I definitely think that as far as looking at the data this year, uh, I know personally being someone who's very data driven, I want to make sure I have the end goal in mind looking at the standards and skills that should be mastered by the end of fifth grade. Uh, so this year with students obviously learning at home last spring, uh, the priority for me I think is going to look at student deficits. Um, when I get that data back, 
and really see if there's any patterns or trends and deficits with students as an entire class or collectively and just make sure everyone's getting what they need. Uh, so obviously everyone learning at home in the spring, there were huge deficits and uh, there was a large spectrum of um, kids that were getting support at home and kids not getting so much support at home. Um, so I really need to take the time and look at where uh, the gaps are for collectively for my students and make sure we're supporting them in our grade level content, right? Because that's our top priority as a, as a in my case, as a fifth grade teacher, but um, also reviewing those pertinent skills that will support a current grades level curriculum. So, you know, talking through that, we definitely need to find a healthy balance. We, um, we have to find and make sure that we're covering our grade level content. That's our responsibility first. But we also need to go back and reteach those certain contents and standards and make sure that it's meaningful and helpful to what is being taught. So purposely choosing standards from previous years to support what we're teaching in our grade level content currently. Yeah, that's a lot. Just a couple things you're working on. <laughs> so how are you approaching that? That's yeah. the age old question, right? Of making sure students have access to grade level content while making sure that you're meeting their individual skill uh, deficits. So what's your plan of attack or how are you thinking about that this year? So our district right now is in a hybrid model. Uh, students are in school two days a week and then they're home two days a week, but then well, actually, they're home three days a week. So they're in person twice a week. Um, and then everyone is virtual one day a week. So uh, I teach three blocks where students log into blocks virtually. So the students are responsible to log in three times a day. Um, right now, I'm using lesson zero to teach the routine right now. And right now, the goal is to make sure kids are logging in and getting a 30-minute synchronous lesson to make sure they're getting what they need. Um, right now, I feel like 30 minutes is a good amount of time uh, for synchronous learning. Anything longer than that, I feel like I lose both my in-person kids and my virtual kids. So once I log off, I really need to make every minute count with my in-person kids uh, in small groups. And I, I want to give them some practice and support with the grade level content. But I'm really going to focus again on those gaps and differentiate what they need. Uh, I think the silver lining about what's going on right now with social distancing and, um, you know, all these new regulations is, you know, we're only going to have about two kids at a time in small groups, which it will really allow us to differentiate instruction even more than uh, what I would normally be able to. You know, when you have a group of 24 to 25 kids in a class at a time, you might have 20 different needs in front of you as far as differentiation when you get those, um, you know, instructional groupings on iReady. So the, the silver lining is if you have eight to 10 kids in front of you at a time, you can really zoom in and focus um, on each kid and, and use that time wisely and support them with the deficits they need in a smaller group. That's so great. And I, we love your attitude. I think like, although everything is hard and different, it is nice to just like take a deep breath and realize that there are some fortunate pieces coming out of this, like being able to have two students at a time or the smaller groups or really teaching to exactly what they need. I want to go back to something you said before. I think there's a general misunderstanding that when there's a learning loss or certain students are behind, that in order to catch them up, you have to fill, you know, the foundational gaps only, which is obviously true, you have to fill gaps. But as you said, it's crucial that as educators, you expose them to grade level content also. Can you just talk a little bit more to that and how do you decide uh, sort of what you're exposing them to and why while at the same time filling the gaps? Um, I, think, I think it's really easy to go down the rabbit hole of closing gaps and getting overwhelmed when you look at every single kid's individual data and uh, looking at their deficits. Um, as a fifth grade teacher, you may have students who have a gap in a certain domain at a, at a first grade level, but, you know, you obviously still want to fill that gap, but choosing to purposely fill gaps 
that support what you're currently teaching will be the most beneficial to your students and and also beneficial to our time as a teacher um, with students when they're in person. So uh, today I did a lesson on fractions and and most students were having a different difficult time planning how to solve a problem or um, remembering do they need common denominators when you add or um, so you know you can go back to those standards in third and fourth grade focus on vocabulary, take out those tactile manipulatives and, and get them comfortable with the skill before adding on to the next grade level content. And, you know, you can do this in small groups, but you can also do this with your entire group as a warm-up um, and all students can benefit from that. And, and then from there, from your warm-up, you could naturally scaffold um, into your grade level content. Have you had a chance to look at the prerequisite reports that we have in iReady yet? Yeah, Danielle, so I looked at them briefly and, uh, they, right now, I've just looked at samples. So once we get our diagnostics done, I'm hoping to get my eyes on them by the end of the week. But I think that it's going to be my Bible this year is uh, looking through those uh, reports and covering essential standards for kids. But I really want to look at last year's pacing guide and see what students received in school and in person. And uh, when that document comes out, I want to make sure I include the skills that were covered in the spring um, in like my warmups for all students. Danielle, for those listeners who either don't use iReady or who do but don't know about that report, do you want to just give a brief overview? And we'll include a cheat sheet on what the report is and how to use it in the show notes, but just to make sure we're on the same page. <laughs> yes. So at iReady, we have created a new report to help teachers like Lorraine, exactly what she's talking about, knowing what grade level content is and then being able to really strategically fill in those prerequisite skills a little bit more efficiently. So if you use iReady and you partner with us, we have something called the prerequisite report for math. We also have something called tools for scaffolding comprehension for reading. It's a little bit different, but it's the same idea. So we understand the value that educators need to save time right now and they're trying to um, understand where students are and be in service of grade level instruction. So those are two ways that we're supporting what Lorraine's talking about um, with iReady itself. But it sounds like Lorraine, you're already on track. That's the way, like I love how you just said you're going to look to see what happened last year. You're going to see what students were home, what, you know, what their data kind of looks like, and then compare that to your pacing guide for this year and then move forward. That's really great. It's a lot to think about. Uh, I, I think that even if you just focus on those last few months, when everyone was learning at home, focus on standards and domains uh, that were covered then and, and keep it in the back of your mind as you cover your grade level content that you review uh, that stuff with kids. So even if kids had an amazing experience at home, which I know a lot did, uh, I still think that review is a great way to start the conversation in your lessons. Yeah, well, we appreciate you. You are, you know, in it. I'd, we'd love to check back with you in a couple months to see how it all is working out because you're doing, like I said, the hybrid model, right? Like you're teaching live while students are also in Google Meet. So that's really, that's an interesting experiment. Um, is there any yeah. advice or something that you would like to share with educators who might be in your same situation who are doing sort of a blended approach to teaching this year? So over the summer, we ha we have a great technology instructional coach here in Liverpool, and, and she did an amazing job pushing out lots of different technology apps, programs, and websites uh, for us to use for hybrid learning and, um, and asynchronous learning and synchronous learning and, and all those other fun buzzwords we are, uh, we're hearing a thousand times a day. Um, I think the best thing for me to do is it, it's very easy to get uh, overwhelmed right now, you know, learning all these new programs and, and teaching kids how to log on to these different programs. And, um, you know, I think my best advice for teachers doing synchronous learning 
or asynchronous um, is to pick one or two programs or websites that work for you and, and really dive in and learn it to the best ability that you can. Um, and sometimes that's learning it with your students using it. And sometimes it's really diving in and figuring it out before you push it out to kids. Um, you know, I also think it's important to try not to get so overwhelmed listening and learning about uh, what your colleagues and other teachers might be doing in, other, in their classroom. Um, I think the more you log in and talk to other teachers and hop on Twitter and see what other teachers are doing, it's, it's really easy to all of a sudden feel that pressure on yourself to do more and more and more. But, um, you know, as simple as you can keep these things, make sure your students are getting what they need. You've built a connection with them. You have a relationship with them. Your students trust you. You trust your students. Um, you've built that routine with technology. I think that's the most important thing right now. And, you know, uh, I stuck with one program. Uh, I decided I'm going to use Pear Deck. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but it's a great resource. Uh, I'm using it for my synchronous lessons. Uh, I've had a couple glitches along the way, but I just have to keep working through them and stick with it and, you know, try not to reinvent the wheel and, and try something new when something doesn't go right the first time. Uh, you know, starting that new routine for everybody is so tough. So try and work through them. Uh, I know my students are giving me advice from home and, and vice versa to try and work out these glitches with the technology. So definitely think being patient with yourself and giving yourself some grace. Uh, just keep working. And again, as long as your kids and and your students are learning something and you've built that connection with them, that's the most important thing right now. That is such great advice. I love it. It's just, it's so easy to go on Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, and just see what everyone's doing. And who knows if that's even what they're actually doing, or it could just be the facade they're putting up, you know what I mean? And just get it being the expert in one thing that's going well. And it's nothing could be more true than if your students are learning, you are doing something right. And that, you know, we're all, we're all in it together. So Thank you so much for coming on. This was this was great. So insightful. Yes, thank you. I think there's a famous quote, comparison is the thief of joy. So keep doing you. And I love how you said give yourself some grace because hashtag give yourself grace is, should be trending for every educator at this um, whole school year. So unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. Yeah. We so appreciate you being on. Um, Sarah, where can where can they find us? What's what's mm -hmm. the deal? <laughs> follow along on Twitter at Curriculum Associ and on Instagram at MyIready and we will link both of those in the show notes. And please be sure to tag us in your posts too so we can see the amazing work you do every single day. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, or want to be a guest, email us at extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. This is about you. We are here for you. And thank you so much, Lorraine, for joining us today. And until we meet again, or until you listen again, be you, be true, be extraordinary. This podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates and is the copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates.